0: follow white hot magazine on the web at whitehotmagazine.com you can find us on foundation and you can follow noah becker's art at new york becker on instagram have a wonderful evening or afternoon or morning Hi, Stephen. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you, Noah?
0: Good, good. Um, thanks for joining me. I was uh, looking, I think it was through Instagram, and I, I keep seeing your photos, which I'm familiar with, but um, you're taking those photos for the purposes of something for newspapers, or, or are they also art photos, or how are those photos coming about?
1: <clears throat> well, some are old, some are new um i've been shooting my whole life so i've been a photographer my whole life um i work for the new york post so some of them are um photographs at the courthouse sometimes that are shot of criminals and um there's a lot of old stuff and a lot of new stuff um a good friend of mine richard sandler he's a fantastic photographer and um he's been bugging me forever to keep showing my old work Mm -hmm. and um I, i'm kind of the ilk where i move on and i just kind of do what i'm doing when i'm doing it mm-hmm. and, and don't really look back much in life and mm-hmm. um but i've shot you know tens of thousands of photographs through the 70s and 80s 90s this century but started painting so um i i just never put them online really i didn't care that much mm-hmm. so he started bugging me about putting them online and then i got a scanner and i started scanning and uh broke my foot so I was inside for three months so I had some time to do some work and it was it was fun it was a lot of fun but they're also
0: kind of like dramatic um recent stuff as well right not just older photos
1: yeah I just well I I I I still shoot so Mm -hmm. yeah you still
0: shoot for the paper
1: yeah yeah
0: um I was aware of that but there are people listening who maybe don't know. So we're just filling them in as we go somewhat.
1: Yeah, I've been shooting for the paper. I've been a photographer my whole life. So I've always made a living as a photographer, a commercial photographer, and um, doing portraits, all kinds of ways just to make money. And, you know, it's worked out pretty well over my life. But then one day I got a job working at the newspaper. I used to work for the tabloids Mm -hmm. for like 10 years, the National Enquirer and the Globe in the 80s, which was pretty Pretty weird. And pretty was great. that
0: specifically like
1: paparazzi, would you call it? No, no. It was all pictures of weird people. Weird people. It was before paparazzi had taken over the tabloids. Mm-hmm. I think, I guess they took over the tabloids like in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And um, in the 80s, 70s, I, I didn't shoot from the 70s, but in the, in the 80s, which is when I did, they were doing these weird stories about weird people, you know, um, like a woman had a thousand rats in her basement and uh, i'm sorry in her bedroom mm-hmm. so i photographed her on her bed with a thousand rats around her and mm. um I, sounds I, like a girl i
0: dated <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 it could have been um uh, and then uh let's see uh a, um, a mortician posing in a basement pop uh, putting pins through balloons in front of um caskets he entertained kids mm-hmm. doing, you know just weird 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 kinds of things um, and, and it was great it was really great so it, so it, it was, was like, more
0: about oddities and less about celebrity paparazzi and gossip
1: it wasn't really about celebrity paparazzi and gossip at all when I was doing it when it started to turn that way is when I kind of quit mm-hmm. because I didn't want to do that I remember going up to northern Canada looking for Shania Twain and you know doing things like that and i i just wasn't into that it wasn't my thing mm-hmm. to talk to people and, and doing that kind of stuff so i kind of quit because it, it changed over completely like very quickly and and when it did i just i stopped doing it i just wasn't it wasn't for me at all and so then i started you know i, I worked for cranes and all kinds of like banking magazines and papers and uh stuff in in uh, in industry and stuff like that which was really cool because i mean it wasn't cool but it was lucrative i should say mm-hmm. you know, taking portraits of bank presidents and stuff like that so I, I would do that but i hated it you'd wake up at like seven in the morning get to his office by eight and shoot him at nine and guy would give you like three minutes because he was like some super powerful ceo and it was it was kind of awful. So then yeah. I I got a job working at the newspaper. I met one of the editors at the newspaper at a party. Uh and um he offered me a job and I took it and uh and then I started doing that. So and that was a lot more fun. Didn't make any money, but it was a lot more fun. So And that's uh, where you are today. Yeah, I'm still doing it. Yeah, many, many years later. And
0: remind us which newspaper it's the one of the main ones.
1: Yeah, the New York Post. Right. Yeah
0: interesting yeah. um and so describe what an assignment what a normal assignment are you doing stuff with crime i think i remember
1: it's all crime it's all crime. Yeah, it's all crime yeah so um well before i i work at the courthouse now shooting criminals
0: so, so you're so. like a modern day ouija only a lot better looking
1: uh, yes exactly and and actually work about probably about a half a mile away from where he lived Ah. So he lived on Little Center Street, the old police headquarters. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, I'm sort of a Ouija authority. I, I once was actually asked by British television they were doing a doc on photography to, to go talk about Ouija. And we sat in front of his house and talked about it. And, you know, mm-hmm. Interesting character.
0: And, wow. And without going into a whole Ouija thing, what... Um, what was your favorite Ouija anecdote or Ouija
1: um, trivia? Ouija trivia, I I just think the most interesting thing about Ouija is he lived in this building, which is now like super like kind of like over-designed with glass panels on front and stuff like that. And sort of like upsets me every time I see it because the old police headquarters, which is a condo, um, it's still it's still exactly the way it looked on the outside and so he would walk out that building and walk directly across the street into the police headquarters literally 10 feet into police mm-hmm. headquarters and, and go shoot that. I think the most interesting thing about Ouija is you know Ouija just um I, I don't think he had any qualms about setting photos up and things like that and mm-hmm. there's a famous picture of his with a steering wheel you know some dead person holding the steering wheel in the middle of the street and you know, I, I wasn't there. These are just things you hear that he would take props out of uh, his trunk, like a cross and get cast a shadow on photographs and, mm. and things like that. So luckily he's not alive to sue me if, if he thinks right. it. Okay. There <laughs> may
0: be someone else can sue you if they're listening. Um, yeah, so who knows? A relative, yeah. You know? New York style. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's the.
1: But, uh, but it's fun. It's really a lot yeah. of fun. I got kind of hooked into it because um, when I worked for the tabloids, I used to go um, sell photographs to the newspapers that I shot for the tabloids because I own the pictures. So I, I developed a relationship with one of the editors. And um, so one day I was going up there and he would write me uh, letters for uh, press plates and a press card. And, and having a press card in New York is, is like entree to everything, you know, especially in those days he would just flash it and you can go into any club or any party or anything because everybody wanted you to be there so he would write a letter for me and then um he would always ask me to work for him and I was working for the tabloids and I was making good money and enjoying it it was fun I traveled a lot and I'd say no and then one day he called me out and he said you know I write a letter for you every two years to get press cards and press plates for your car and which allows you to park anywhere um, and um, and and you should work for me because I'm short on staff and you and you owe me. Mm. And um, and I said, I don't I don't really want to do that. You don't pay well. And um, and it, it's it's not a kind of job I want to do. And um, he said, well, you owe me. So you got to You got to kind of do it. And I did. And the first day it was awful. I chased. Look, um, I, I chased uh, dogs around in Harlem trying to get packs of dogs in a photograph. That's what they were looking to do a story about. It was awful. And then the second day he sent me to Rego Park in Queens to a Chinese restaurant that was robbed the night before. And the woman, the cashier was murdered. And he told me to ask the owner where she lived. So I went to her house and waited for the reporter who was Doug Kennedy, uh, Robert Kennedy's youngest son we went into the basement and there was a dead body in the basement. So, and I photographed the dead body and uh, it was the cover of the paper the next day, four pages about the story, uh, yeah. so on and so forth. So it was pretty interesting. It got me kind of hooked. It was an adrenaline rush and yeah. uh, started doing it after that. It's been a lot of fun, interesting yeah. So that was one of the more
0: interesting moments. And then uh, you, you cover trials. So what are some of the trials that you've covered?
1: Uh, Anna Delvey, mm-hmm. recently, uh, Harvey Weinstein, uh, another big one. Um, those are probably the biggest ones lately, mm-hmm. was Weinstein and, and Anna Delvey.
0: Hmm.
1: I, kind of, uh, I kind of found Anna Delvey in, uh, in a hallway the first time she had gotten arrested. Mm-hmm. I photographed her and um it, when we published the story, everybody read it and said, "Oh, that woman ripped me off and so um she got rearrested, and that was the beginning of the uh, Anadobe mm-hmm. saga.
0: Were you in there when she was parading in in different outfits?
1: Yeah, every time, yeah, yeah, wow. I photographed her probably two dozen times, I would say, right, yeah interestingly that's,
0: that's quite a story
1: yeah she's an interesting woman then after mm-hmm. she got I, we i i met up with her and she was just you know kind of wow you're the guy who's been shooting me for like two years now and i finally get to talk to you because i could never talk to her in the courtroom you know you'd go out there and you take photographs and mm-hmm. she's sitting at a defense table but you're not allowed to converse with that person so right. she said oh i finally get to meet the person who's been photographing me for two years <laughs> which was kind of of funny. course
0: she's been on this she's another episode on this podcast I had her
1: right. right right so
0: you're you're winding the continuity together with um the Ann Delvey thing I also did an in, published an interview with her in White Hot Magazine last week
1: oh cool that, yeah is, is that out now mm-hmm. okay oh, yeah. I'll have to re-amagine. yeah I
0: mean it's a you know it's lovers on one side and haters on the other side
1: yeah well you know i i i just learned to, to kind of dig her because i was photographing her so many times and observing her and her nuances and i knew i know her lawyer very well and mm-hmm. so you know we would talk and and um we um and then we finally met and then i i interviewed her a few times actually myself right got to talk to her and hang out with her That's good and, yeah I've so, never
0: met her in person, but I've spoken to her quite a bit. Over the yeah, last yeah.
1: Minute.
0: yeah. I, um, I, I always, whenever people are negative, but I always say like, you know, I have a lot of friends. Well, not a lot of friends, but I have some friends who have done jail time. And if you do your jail time for your crime, um, you know, and you're not a repeat offender, then it's possible that you could be uh, rehabilitated or... Forgiven, or you know, people want to. At least in her case, it seems like people want to just keep her in jail for a period of time that satisfies them.
1: Yeah, well, that's the government. I think not, not, not the people, maybe, but the government. Right. So, I guess you know they don't like being um, humiliated. I, I guess in their minds, which I'm not sure how she could have done that to the government, but anyway, you know. she's
0: in there with ICE custody, and it's a whole, a whole thing. But it's interesting that we we have that connection in common. And you have um, some other uh, some other trials. So you did Harvey Weinstein trial. Anything from that that, that might be an anecdote?
1: Um, let's see. I you know um, I just photographed him so many times. I I didn't really talk to him. We just had passing words like, you know, good morning and things like that when he would walk by. So. Um, I was there when the verdict was read, I photographed mm-hmm. the sentencing, I've taken just hundreds or thousands of pictures of him, right? Uh, he, you know, he's an interesting character. So, um, I don't know him personally, I photographed him before he was arrested years ago at, at movie events, right? Um, and, uh, I always, I always kind of thought he was a little, uh, uh, discombobulated. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, always, he always came up with a black t-shirt filled with dandruff. Mm -hmm. so uh, i always remember remember that Mm -hmm. he's uh he's he's kind of a slob actually which is interesting right considering his wife was so beautiful Mm -hmm. um but you know opposites attract i guess Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah not that many interesting things i mean Mm -hmm. i photographed him uh you know I, i think the most interesting thing was once he was in court and he was he was in the courtroom, I was photographing him, and he was dabbing um, a handkerchief with his tongue, trying to wipe off like food stains on on his suit.
0: Oh, weird. Um, I
1: mean, the guy's a slob, he really is.
0: Right, and then, um, well, just looking at the photographs, I guess people can see them on Instagram or there are other places they can see your photographs.
1: Yeah, they're they're published on my webpage stephenhirsch.com though I don't update it really, mm-hmm. so most of the stuff on there is older stuff and and that's interesting. I mean, I've had a long career. Uh, Instagram, you know, it's 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 a new feed all the time, so mm-hmm. you know, doing webpages and and putting up stuff on webpages, it just becomes so difficult and right.
0: And how many times has your photography been on the cover of the Post approximately? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I
1: would say dozens, dozens right
0: yeah I guess so
1: yeah I'm not even sure
0: the qual, but the actual quality of the photos is, is what I'm more interested in than the topic um mm. I have seen some that have been like just kind of anonymous people in the street it's some something something between like Robert Frank and Ouija and a couple other people but that that kind of New York random street photography where you just or photographs of criminals that nobody's heard of or I, I don't know there's just there's a lot of interesting photographs happening there
1: yeah people i mean people have uh, complex lives we we all know especially uh, you know i think you and i we we know a lot of interesting people a lot of people are very complex they're, they're very dynamic there's a lot going on in their brain mm. and the the funny thing is when you walk down the street you don't see any of that because you're never talking to anybody Mm-hmm. So you just see movement of, of people, movement of, of uh, bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you, the only way you can kind of try to figure out what's going on is by looking at them. And I've become a, kind of an expert at looking at people and judging, you know, what they wear. And you do that at court, because if, if somebody comes to court, but you don't know who they are and what they did, you can look them over and kind of get a sense of like their their status and their class by just looking for signs, shoes, you know, watches. Mm-hmm. With women, it's pocketbooks and uh, also shoes and glasses and things like that. So you can you can read people. And when you're on the street, it's it's a bit of a different story. But what I try to do is I try to create an aura of who I think they are. Mm. You know, uh, I don't know who they are, but it's, it's an aura of who I think they are, like sweaty mm-hmm. business people, like dripping and stuff in a you know, 95 degree day, and just try to get the sweat bouncing off your of forehead and get that mm-hmm. reflection from a flash and, and that. So it's, it's creating a, an aura yeah. of who I think they are. Did you ever think about either having a show of the photographs
0: or publishing a book?
1: Well, I've I've had a book published on my my Gowanus project that was published Mm. by Powerhouse Mm -hmm. uh, of my personal work. I've never done it because like I said, now I'm probably putting more older photographs together from scanning than I had Mm -hmm. when I had a dark room and I was doing black and white print. So (laughs) um, if I was to do another book, I'd probably be with powerhouse and i'd I powerhouse to do it again and what was your guanis project um i'm i forgotten i think maybe 2014 2015 i'm not
0: really sure you uh you took photos in guanis
1: yeah i was um I've I've never done really abstract photos before. My photographs are always of people, and 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 though there were abstractions in clothes and design and architecture and things like that in the photographs, they were never specifically abstract photos, per se. Right, uh, you know, an odd photo here and there. But um, I went to the canal in 2010. I was born in Brooklyn. I lived from mm-hmm. my in my youth, but I never. It's funny, Brooklyn's so huge that when you grow up, you can kind of you're so isolated, you can only know the immediate area around your house, right? Okay. And or you know from the backseat of your father's car, mm. uh, you know driving around Brooklyn. Okay. So I, I'd never been to the canal. I didn't. I'd never been to the Gowanus. So in 2010, I went there with a friend, and we were sitting there, and the water started bubbling, mm. and colors started coming up. Like, I, I, you know, I'm from I'm from the '60s, so. There were these little toys that you could hold, and they were filled with oil, and you could squeeze the back of them, and they would kind of do kaleidoscope mm. uh, imagery on them. I don't know if you've ever seen those. Mm, not really. No, but they they were kind of like these little hand toys, and you could squeeze around oil in them, and the oil would cause colors to, mm. to, to you know, make colors in there. And so it kind of looked like that, and um, it was a. Uh, I remember having one of those little things. You put it in your pocket, you take it out, and you just kind of play with it. And um, I once gave it to a cop in Prague to get out of jail as a toy. And he just was so happy he, he mm. let me go. So I have a, I have a fond uh, remembrance of, of that toy. Mm. But anyway, so it kind of looked like that. So basically, it was like oil coming up to water. If you've, we've all seen oil and water move you yeah. know, and things like that. But it kind of looked like that in a real kind of like a, immense amount of space and an immense amount of colors I'd never seen before. And plus it was percolating. Mm-hmm. So if you've seen that on the street, it never percolated. So it was really interesting. And um, it was literally right in front of like you sitting on the canal. Um, so I had a little point and shoot a little, I don't know, Panasonic or something like that, uh, Canon. And I started shooting pictures with it. And it was about, I shot about a 15 photos and, um, I, and, and it just stopped percolating. Right. And, and and so and then we left. And um, that was 2010. So around 2000 and I guess 14 or so, mm-hmm. an editor from the Times, who does the I think it's called the, the arena mm-hmm. uh, page. And it's basically a page that was always all photographs. And, and I think they still do it. I'm not mistaken. Though I haven't seen it in a while, but it was called arena. And um, so he, he called me up or he wrote me and he said, I'm a big fan of yours and I love your work and blah, blah, blah. He goes, what are you working on now? And um, I was working on some projects out in, in the Southwest at the time that really had nothing to do with New York. And he said, well, I, you know, I'm interested in New York projects. So I said, well, you know, I'm not really doing anything, but I did this thing like a, about four years ago of the Gowanus and you might be interested in that. So I got out the photographs and I sent it to him and he loved it. He absolutely loved it. And he, he printed it in like um, a whole page on a Sunday. And um, so it got me interested in going back again to kind of look for what was going on there and maybe try to do more of a project of it. But I, when I went back, it, whatever pollution was causing all of this was even more so than it ever was during that period. So it was just like a, a, a kind of a, potpourri of of uh, psychedelic colors and and uh, bubbling colors and you know very interesting looking abstracts that seemed like they were paintings but they weren't they were movements of oil and the tides would cause the movements of the oil around in space so you could stand in one spot and the whole thing would change rapidly uh, into another you know motif literally within seconds. So I got so into it. I went there for about two years and, and started shooting it. And then I met a gallerist and they had a show and the whole thing sold out. And, and uh, I made these huge prints, 40 by 60 prints. Wow. Yeah. And they all sold out and um, it was a real success. And, um, and, and Powerhouse published it as a book. hmm um and, and and that was the go on. So it was really a lot of fun and now it's all gone they started in the canal and and cleaning up and stuff like that so literally i knew, i used to sneak in through a bus depot and then they put a fence in the bus depot and everything changes so rapidly i mean it, sometimes when you're at a time and space um you can never recreate it again even a week or two later or moments later and, and that's a great thing about life and 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 photography yeah is nothing's ever the same literally a moment later mm. so i did that in 2014 and it was great it's real success yeah. yeah so um
0: what do you have coming up
1: uh what do i have coming up um uh i have a um, there's there's a magazine called brute journal which has been publishing my work um he published two pieces uh, so far this year one of uh um, the first one, I guess, was just of my work, mm-hmm. and then the last one was of collages. Right. He's doing another piece in July of uh, these beach abstracts that I do through broken telescopes. Uh, the yeah. photographs taken with an iPhone. So really. I, yeah. So um, I'm probably going to go back to the beach and and uh, start shooting that again in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I, there's some, um, telescopes in, in Rockaway that are, you know, these old telescopes, you'd see them on the side of places and you, you know, they look like giant kind of robots or something Mm -hmm. like that. These big metal things. Well, they have them there, but they're so dilapidated and, and broken that the glass inside is fractured. And so one day I was looking through it and it was just so bizarre And then I took my iPhone and I held it up to it. And I started photographing through these things. And Mm. it looks like, you know, like another world. Hmm. And um, so they're really cool. So I I did a bunch then, and he's going to publish some in uh, July. And I want to go back and do some more of those. I haven't painted in a while. I might go back to painting soon.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Dog days of summer, turn on the air conditioner and start start painting. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I I paint mostly in the summer or the winter when it's Mm -hmm. either too cold to go out or too hot to go out right right yeah great
0: well it's great hearing from you and um let's keep in touch over the next little bit i appreciate you coming on the podcast
1: No, you're welcome you're welcome
0: and um have a great day
1: all right take care see you